God does not want us hiding in the corner away from him. He does not want us to hide because of what we have done. In fact, God sent his only son to die on the cross so that we can have right relationship with him. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ. Because of that right relationship, when we sin and we fall down, what we need to do is run to our Father. Hi, I'm Lori Harp, and this is my podcast. Like most women, I wear many hats. I am a nurse, a wife, a mother, a friend, an encourager, but most importantly, I am a child of the Most High God. For many years, I believed the struggles I faced were because I was doing something wrong. I would hate myself for not being perfect. Then one day, someone told me God loves me where I am. Yes, we all face struggles and we all have things to overcome, but with God, all things are possible. In this podcast, I want to unpack the many issues facing women today. There is nothing in this life, no mistake, no flaw, no scar that is too much for God. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, let's discuss real life issues through the lens of God's love. Get ready, let's harp on it. Welcome back to Harp on It Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Harp. This week has been a little bit tumultuous for me. Um, I've kind of really been all over the place emotionally. Last week, I did not put up a podcast, honestly, just to be really transparent. It was because emotionally, I just wasn't in a very good headspace. And I really tried several times to record my podcast but I just honestly felt like I was putting up something that was subpar and it wasn't really to the standard that I felt needed it needed to be. And so I prayed about it, talked to John about it, and we both felt like the Lord um, just allowed us the time and the season to lay up for a week and just kind of go through some time and some rest for me to just kind of walk through some things and then get in a better head space in order to be ready to jump on this this week. Um, my lesson is actually the same lesson that I was planning to put up last week. Um, it's just that God has in his great, amazing faithfulness allowed me to walk in some places that have really ministered to my heart over the past few days and over the past couple of weeks to bring me to a different place with this lesson as God often does. Sometimes when we are getting ready to go through something, we look at something in a particular way and then we kind of experience some things and we get to look at it in a different way. And I attribute that to the difference between book knowledge and experience knowledge. And God has just allowed me to step in some steps that give me a little bit more experience knowledge than book knowledge. So without any further ado, I'm going to just kind of jump right into what we're studying just because I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover and I don't want to belabor this point any longer. So 
this week I am going to cover the story of Peter and Jesus at the shoreline after Jesus has been resurrected and Jesus is restoring to Peter um, or restoring Peter back to where Peter was before Peter denied Christ. Now, just to back up a little bit in this storyline, we are taking this from John chapter 21, and actually chapter 21, verse 15 through 17 is where the story actually is coming from. But just a little bit further in, further up in John chapter 18, 19, 20, in that area is the passion of Christ. And we see just a little further in the book that um, we see the Lord's Supper take place. And it, at the Lord's Supper, we see a conversation between Peter and Jesus um, at the Lord's Supper. And in this conversation, we see Jesus had acknowledged that Judas was going to betray him. And we know in this story that Judas sells Jesus to the Roman guard for 30 pieces of silver. He betrays him and sells out his location so that the Romans can come arrest him and take him into custody so that Jesus can be tried and then later crucified. And then after he is crucified, he lays in the grave for three days and then he is resurrected. And then after he is resurrected, we kind of come into this story. So we're kind of coming in after the fact. But what happens at the Lord's Supper when Jesus acknowledges Judas's betrayal, Peter kind of pipes up and says, Jesus, I'm never going to betray you. And Jesus is quick to put Peter back into his place and say, Peter, you will actually betray me or you will deny me. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter kind of takes this with a grain of salt thinking, I'll never do that. Because in Peter's heart, Peter is sold out to Jesus. He loves the Lord with everything he has. And I can really identify with Peter here because I truly love the Lord with everything I have. And nowhere in my walk with Christ do I step into a day thinking, how can I walk into this situation and dishonor God or how can I move in my life and not do what God wants me to do? Never do I step into a situation thinking, how can I fail? Instead, I find myself in situations where my human side of me, my human frailty takes over and I fail over and over again. And so Peter, in his humanism, has a moment of weakness. And when he is in the courtyard outside of the palace, when they are trying Jesus, getting ready to crucify him, somebody comes up and recognizes him and says, aren't you, Peter, the one who follows along with Jesus? And he says, no, that's not me. And remember, he denies that he 
is Peter, but he also denies that he knows Jesus because Peter is now fearful for his life. He's fearful that if he is known as one of the followers of Jesus, that his fate may be what Jesus's fate is. And so he may end up in prison or dead or worse. So Peter is fearful. And so fear kind of drives the situation. And so in fear and not really knowing what's going on, because you have to understand that Peter has had a relationship with Jesus and has followed closely with Jesus. And his understanding of the Messiah coming was that the Messiah was going to rule and reign in Jerusalem and was going to overthrow the Roman government so that they were no longer going to be under the tyranny of the Romans. And so now all of these emotions and all of these things that Peter thought were going to happen are not happening the way that he thought he was going to have things happen. How many times do we step out in our lives and we feel like God is moving us in a direction and we have a preconceived idea of what that looks like? I think Peter in this moment is in a perfect situation where he had a preconceived idea of what following Christ was going to look like. He thought that perhaps it was going to mean that Christ was going to reign on earth as the king and the Lord of reigning over this area, and Peter was going to be his right-hand man. Now, we know because we get to read the Bible and we get to know the whole story that that's not what Christ's coming in this first coming was about. Christ's coming in this first coming was about salvation and about bringing salvation to the entire human race. Christ coming as a baby in the manger and then laying down his life and and dying on the cross and having paid the price so that we could spend eternity in heaven. That's what this first coming was all about. Now, when Christ comes back in Revelation and he comes back, that's when we're going to see Christ rule and reign and be what Peter thought that Christ was going to be at this time. Now, it's easy for me to look at this and understand this. But again, I have the book in front of me that lays it all out for, for me. I'm not living in that moment. So when Peter denies Christ, we have to give him a little bit of latitude in that denial in that he's dealing with a lot of emotions and a lot of things. I feel like if I was in Peter's shoes, I would have done exactly what Peter did. Now, my heart hopes that I would have been one of the ones like John who stood at the cross and was there with Jesus the entire time. But the truth is, I don't know what I would have done had I been put in the same situation. So it's very hard for me to say that I would have done this instead of doing that. I cannot say that I would have been acting any differently than what Peter did. 
But when Peter denied Christ and the rooster crowed for the third time, it dawned on Peter that he had done exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. And it broke his heart because now Peter feels like, okay, nothing is going the way that I thought it was going to go. And now I have completely abandoned everything that I thought I was, I was working for. And now my savior that I was following around for the last three years is, is in prison and, and I can't do anything. I can't even sit out here and support him from here. I go and deny him. And so Peter runs off. Now, we know that Christ dies and he rose again after the third day. And we know that Peter has seen Jesus in the next few chapters. And we know that Jesus has appeared to Peter a couple of times. So Peter now knows that Jesus is alive. But Peter is also kind of, I think, having an existential crisis because he doesn't really know how to process through this. Jesus is alive, but where does he stand in all this? What is the next step? Where is he going from here? So this week, as I have been going through some things, I have a very, very dear friend that is extremely close to me that is going through some major emotional turmoil. And it's been very difficult for me because I can't help this person. I can't ride in on my white horse and make everything that this person is going through go away. And it's really difficult for me because I want to come in and make it all better for this person, but I can't. So all I can do is sit on the sidelines and and pray for this person. Now, there's power in prayer. I know that praying for the person moves the kingdom of heaven. I know that God loves this person more than I love this person. And I know that God is working constantly on this person's behalf. So I know that praying and moving heaven for this person is the right thing to do, but it feels like I'm not doing enough. So this past week, while I was going through all of these emotions of feeling like I was inadequately supporting this dear person and not being able to do enough, I felt like the enemy started whispering in my ear that I was not really supporting this person. In fact, the enemy started telling me that I wasn't a very good Christian. Because if I was a good Christian, I would know the right words to tell this person. I mean, after all, I'm in the ministry full time. I mean, after all, I read my Bible on a daily and I pray on a daily. Surely I would have good words and good things to tell this person. And why couldn't I figure out something to tell him? And so what happened was I started buying the lies of the enemy. Just like Peter was starting to buy the lies of the enemy that I could not go to my savior because I couldn't have that intimacy, that relationship with Jesus because my actions or my lack of ability to move on behalf of my dear, dear friend 
disqualified me. Now, it's a different situation. I understand that Peter denied Christ and his action is different than my action. And I understand that the shame that I took on may not have really even been something that I did, but Satan planted these seeds in my mind and planted these moments in my mind that I took on a spirit of shame and blame. And honestly, it wasn't even my shame or blame to take on, but I took it on nonetheless. And so I started to emotionally spiral and I started to feel like I needed to run away from God because I had somehow disqualified myself from being in the ministry full time. And just to be transparent and just to be really real and really raw, the reason I didn't feel like I could put up a podcast last week was because I questioned if I was still qualified enough to bring you guys a message when I couldn't even help my friend. And then the Lord showed me this. So you guys hang on because this is good. So we come into this story and right before the right before this, um, the Peter and some of the disciples go out fishing. And I really think that Peter goes out fishing because he doesn't know what else to do. And Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him to follow him. And so Peter goes out and he goes fishing and they fish all night and they don't catch a single thing. And so not only is Peter a failure at ministry, but now he's a failure at the one thing that he knew how to do, which is fish. And so we kind of come into this story and I'm in Acts chapter 21, the beginning of chapter 21. And we come into the story and Jesus start, we see Jesus on the shoreline of the sea and we on the shoreline and he calls out to the disciples and he says, Hey, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Hey, did you catch anything? And they said, no, we didn't catch anything. And he says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, I suppose that if I'm Peter and I'm a professional fisherman, there's moment here that I'm going seriously. Like I hadn't thought of this, like, who are you and why are you telling me to throw my nets on the other side of the boat? But I'm going to be obedient because what have I got to lose at this point? So they throw their nets on the other side of the boat. And when they do, their nets are so full, they cannot pull in the fish easily because they're, they're having a hard time. And as they do that, Peter realizes that the person on the shoreline is Jesus. So Peter, in Peter's fashion, because Peter is very zealous and he always does things very magnanimously with lots of zeal and lots of enthusiasm, takes his cloak off and dives into the water and swims ashore to Jesus. The other disciples come, um, bring the boat and the fish up to the shore. And then we see Jesus and Peter have this interaction and I'm reading from John 21 verse 15 through 17 and it says that they had breakfast and then Jesus says Simon Peter son of Jonah do you love me more than these 
And Peter answers, You know I love you. And Jesus says, Feed my sheep. And then Jesus asks again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter says, You know I love you, Lord. And he said, Feed my sheep. And so then the Lord asks him a third time, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter is grieved because the Lord asks him, do you love me a third time? And Peter answers him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus answers him, feed my sheep. Now, Jesus goes on here and he prophesies over Peter what's going to happen over his lifetime. He prophesies over him becoming a martyr. And then he tells him to follow me. Now, what I want to hone in on here really quickly is how intentional our Savior is. I want to hone in on three things. One, Jesus sets up an appointment with Peter. He comes after Peter to seek out Peter to make this relationship between Peter and him right. God does not want us hiding in the corner away from him. He does not want us to hide because of what we have done. In fact, God sent his only son to die on the cross so that we can have right relationship with him. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus Christ. Because of that right relationship, when we sin and we fall down, what we need to do is run to our Father. What we feel like doing is running and hiding. Just like Adam and Eve did when they sinned, they ran and hid. And remember the Lord said, why are you hiding? And they said, because we're afraid. Fear comes in the fear of retribution, the fear of the Father seeing us. All of those things come from fear because we're afraid that we are disqualified somehow because of the sin that we have done or the mistakes that we have made. That is a lie from the enemy because the Lord has paid the price for us. The moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are redeemed. And those sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Now, that doesn't mean we go willy-nilly out doing whatever the heck we want to do so that Jesus can cover more things. Instead, it means that we purposely try to live the best life that we can to bring honor to the Lord because we love him so much for because of the price that he paid. But I want you to see how intentional the Lord was because he met Peter where he was. He went to Peter. He went to the sea. He went to where Peter was. He didn't wait till Peter got to a point where Peter could come and say, okay, Lord, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. And now I'm ready to come to you. No, he went to Peter in the moment of his brokenness and his heartache. 
Second, I want to make note that Jesus called Peter Simon, son of Jonah. I want to make note of this because names are very important in the Bible. Remember when Saul, who was out capturing Christians and imprisoning them because he felt like it was the right thing to do. I remember on the road to Damascus, he was blinded and then he had a conversion and he became Paul. Remember, there was a poignant moment where he was not for God and then he was for God or he was not for Jesus and then he was for Jesus. And at that moment, he had a name change. When we see here that Jesus is taking the moment to say, Simon, son of Jonah, this is your old life. And now you are going to go from your old life to your new life. And so I am calling you by your old name because from this point forward, you are going to be Peter. You are going to be the rock. You are going to be the cornerstone. You are going to be what I have called you by. You are going to be the man that I have anointed you to be. You are going to be everything that you have been meant to be from the beginning of time. And there is a definitive change here. Remember the Bible says that we become when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old things pass away and behold, all things are made new. Christ is making a definitive change here for Simon to Peter. He's making a change here for him so he can understand that you were old and you did have the old flesh man but now you are new and you are new creation and you are able to walk forward in this. The third thing that I want to notice here is that God, Jesus, gives Peter a directive. He gives him direction in which to go. He tells him to go and feed his sheep. Jesus does not belabor the fact that Peter, you denied me. Peter, you sinned. Peter, you blew it. Peter, you jerk. He does not spend a lot of time there because God knows that Peter knows that Peter blew it. God knows that Lori knows that Lori can't fix these things. And God knows that Lori had a week where I listened to the lies of the enemy and I believed that the enemy was what the enemy was telling me that I could not do what God called me to do because I couldn't even help my friend. But the reality was that that was a lie. The truth was that the only reason that I am able to minister to the world out there or to share a word is because the Holy Ghost lives in me and because God allows me to open my mouth and allows the Holy Spirit to speak through me. It is not Lori Harp that is all that in a bag of chips. It is only because the Lord speaks through what I am saying. And if God is not speaking through what I am saying, then I am just a claiming symbol. You guys understand that if I allow the enemy to tell me that what 
I'm hearing and what I'm doing is not what God has called me to do, then he shuts me down and I'm left in a puddle of emotion, believing that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And for a couple of days, you guys, I sat in that emotional place where I was like, I'm not worthy. I'm not called. I'm not doing this because I can't even help my friend. And you guys, I I had to have a, a friend that I love dearly that I work with at work come up to me and go, what the heck is going on in your world? Like this person I don't see every day or all the time, but this person came up to me and she read my mail and she looked at me and she goes, who do you think you are? Like, why do you think you're all that important that you are doing it and that you, like, I hear all of this about you. It's not about you. It's about you. It's about Lori Harp submitting herself under God and under Christ and allowing Christ to do his work through Lori Harp. And y'all, when she told me that, something broke inside me because I realized that I was trying to do everything in my own strength, in my own ability. And just how God reached down and spoke to Peter about feeding his sheep and about going out and doing what he's supposed to do. God used my friend to reach down and talk to Lori Harp and say, Lori Harp, it's not about what Lori Harp can and can't do. It's about what God chooses to do through Lori Harp. She told me one other thing, and I'm going to use this because, and I told her I was going to use it so she won't mind. But she told me that diamonds are one of the most precious stones. And I think we can all agree that diamonds are very valuable stones. And she said, do you know how they're made? And I said, well, yeah. They're carbons and they go through a lot of pressure. And as I'm saying this out loud, it just clicked in my spirit. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I I know where she's going with this, but I'm going to continue. And so she says, that's right. Diamonds spend a lot of time getting pressed from every side. And there's so much pressure and there's so much things that have to come against this diamond in order to become the stone and the gem that it it is meant to be. But then she took it a step further and she goes, do you know what a jeweler is looking at when they take out their little loop and they look at a diamond to see the value of it? And I said, no. I said, "I, I guess they're looking at the quality of the stone. And she goes, they're looking at how the light refracts off that diamond. I said, okay, I I can buy that. And she goes, when people look at you, Lori Harp, they're not looking at you. They're looking at how the light of Jesus Christ refracts off your life. It's not about Lori Harp. It's how Jesus is shown through the life of Lori Harp. And y'all, I was moved beyond being moved and I now understand why the Lord wanted me to shut my mouth because it wasn't the Lori Harp show last week 
it would have been had I put something up because I would have been just trying to do it in my own power because I had believed the lie that I had to try to qualify myself to be enough in my own self to do what I believe God has called me to do. But my Bible says just right here that Jesus met Peter where he was and he came in and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, I do love you. And then he said, Peter, go feed my sheep. And do you know what he said to Lori Harp? He said, Lori Harp, do you love me? And I said, Lord, I do love you. I love you. And he said, then go feed my sheep. And I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I am not disqualified by my inadequacies or my inabilities to ride in on a white steed and fix everything. I want to take a second and tell you something else. I have been praying all week for this dear, dear friend of mine, and the Lord reminded me that this battle is my friend's battle to walk through. And he reminded me that he is completely in control of this battle. And he reminded me that the reason this friend has to walk through this battle is because my friend is working out her salvation in fear and trembling. And my friend is walking this out because God is allowing her to walk it out. But he also reminded me that it is a privilege for my friend to walk where she's walking. Because at the end of this walk, my friend is going to have a testimony to beat all testimonies. You guys, and if I get in the middle of this and try and muddy the water with my platitudes and my things that I think that I can do to help this friend of mine and try to fix it in my human abilities, the Lord can't work the way the Lord wants to work. So I have to go to my prayer closet and I have to say, Lord, here's my friend. And when I pick it up and I take it back, I say, Lord, here's my friend. And when I pick it up and I take it back, I say, Lord, here's my friend. And there may be a constant tug of war between me and God saying, I want it. No, you have it. I want it. No, you have it. And there may be other areas in my life that I struggle to give back to God. And I think that's just normal in our human flesh to want to control the narrative and to control what's going on. But just like Peter and just like God restoring Peter back to where he was and back to who he had called him to be. God wants to restore our hearts and he wants to restore what he has called us to be. And if he can restore Lori Harp back to what he has called her to be and restored her back to the point where he is moving her and directing her, he can restore you. And I don't care what it is that you have done or what you feel has disqualified you from running to your father. I'm telling you right now, he loves you and he has designed 
the salvation plan so that you can run to your father knowing that he loves you and he will never ever abandon you and it is a lie from the very pit of hell that you need to take your sins and you need to hide in the corner from the heavenly father because the heavenly father wants you to run to him he wants you to come to him and jesus is intentional in pursuing you and loving you to restore you back to a right relationship with the heavenly father so so that you can go out and accomplish what it is that you are supposed to do. God needs his children doing what it is they are called to do. Stop listening to the enemy. You are not a sum of your mistakes. You are not disqualified because you did X, Y, Z. You are not out of the race. You have not been removed from God's kingdom. The only person who can get you out of God's kingdom and get you from being in God's stead is you. The only way that you can be removed from God's loving hand is if you walk away. And that is Satan's number one plan. And so if he can convince you somehow, some way that you are disqualified or you are no longer desired by the heavenly father to have a relationship with him, he has won. So let me encourage you this week, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, run to the father. Because there is nothing better than to feel the Heavenly Father's arms wrap around you and tell you He loves you. God loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, so that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish but will have everlasting life. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you want to stay in the know for all things Harp Ministries, check out our website at harpministries.org. In there, you'll see the latest episodes of Harp on it, upcoming events, and our newly released book entitled, How Can I Leap Tall Buildings When I Can't Get My Tights On? Thank you again for tuning in today. See you all next week.